I'm just uh, I'm going to enjoy myself this morning. Hey, if you do have a Bible, um, what I'm going to read out is not going to come up on the screen. So either turn uh, in your Bibles to the book of Acts, uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, and we'll get there eventually, not, not straight away. But um, I want to talk uh, this morning uh, about God's ability to work through us despite ourselves. <laughs> like his, his ability to... Uh, work in us, minister to us, do the incredible things, the awesome things that God does, despite our shortcomings, despite our lack, despite our inability to always have it all together. Is anyone, does anyone here have it all together? I just, I'd love to catch up with you afterwards and take some notes if you do. Uh, no one? Darn it. All right. Okay. Uh, well, uh, this is for you. And I just want this to be an encouragement and a reminder to to absolutely every one of us here today that, listen, God's, God's power to work through you, to be with you, is not limited by your performance. It's not limited uh, about how good a day you may be having on, or on your ability to, to make things happen. Uh, I just think sometimes we need a reminder uh, from this. And, you know, it's an often quoted piece of scripture, but it's worth pointing out again. And I think a few weeks ago, Claire spoke on this subject the bible says in second corinthians chapter 12 that it's his power which is made perfect in our weakness and uh, i just love that and i want to focus this morning a little less on our weakness and a little more on god's ability to meet us where we are right where we are with whatever's going on in our lives and how many know there's always something going on isn't there like it's just life there's always stuff something going on and 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 that he can work through us even on your worst day, even on a, on a bad day. In fact, if you're taking notes, I've, uh, I've, entitled, I've entitled this message. Dave, you'll have to make that work because this thing isn't going. I've entitled this, His Best at Your Worst. His Best at Your, your Worst. Because the truth is, God can meet you and me and, uh, at your place of despair. He can be right there in, in that space. In your darkest hour, on your worst day, God can show up. And I've experienced that, and I'm sure you have uh, as well. Because sometimes we, we kind of often think, you know, you know what? If, if only I was in a, in a better space, a better place, then God's going to be able to do something with, with my life. He, he could use me in a greater way. If I was in a better position, right? You know, things were going well for me, if that's a word. If I was a little less tired or a, a little less stressed, if I had a little bit more money in the bank, uh, if I had more things going on. Well, listen, I want to remind you this morning about who God is and what He can do when, we're, when we uh, are, are, are kind of low and what we can do when we're at our worst to see God work at His best. Amen? Amen. Right, I need to pray. God, I thank You for this day and I thank You for what You're saying and doing already today. And I thank You for Your Word, Your words of truth, your words of hope, your words of life, your transformative words. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we're not here just to kind of uh, remember or, or talk about stuff that, that's sort of just words on a page. But we believe that your power has the ability to change us from the inside out. You don't care what we look like on the outside. You don't care how we're dressed, but you are intimately interested and how we're doing on the inside. And I pray that our souls 
today. And our spirit, God, may resound with your words and your hope and your encouragement that we may go from this place a little different, maybe a little more freer, a little more encouraged, but God, more filled with your hope, I pray in, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'll wait, for the, the, I'll wait for the train to come past. There it goes. How, how many have had uh, kind of days in your life where things just haven't gone the way that you'd hoped it would have, right? Like, I like just had one of those days where you wish, man, I've, I wish I would, could have just, should have just stayed in bed or should have just stayed at home. Not, not today because we all need to be here, but you know, other days. When things just haven't gone the way that you'd hoped. Anyone? Just, just me. Wow. I mean, just give me a show of hands to encourage me, please. But I remember uh, quite a few number years ago when, when my eldest two kids were very, very young and we decided to borrow the neighbor's caravan to attempt to go for the very first time with children, at least, to go camping. And uh, well, it wasn't a caravan, so not quite camping, but, but um, still camping, right? And, and, and the caravan was parked out. This is when we used to live on the Cabotty Coast. This caravan was parked in Foxton Beach. If anyone's ever been there before, right, it's Foxton Fizz. That's where that came from. And, and, and so we, we drove out there and we drove to this little beach community only to discover that pretty much everyone else in the lower North Island had also gone to Foxton Beach. It was Wellington anniversary weekend. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. But we got set up anyway. And we decided in the afternoon to order fish and chips for tea and and uh, I've, I've asked, by the way, one of my kids if I can share this story, and they've said yes. I won't tell you which one it is. They may have been playing keys this morning, but I don't know. Uh, sorry. I don't think she's even here. But anyway, and so I'll go and order fish and chips. I thought it would take uh, about 10 minutes. And so I took my daughter with me. She's about two and a half years old, and she was in that transition stage of not wearing nappies. If you're a parent, you know, that kind of time where you've got to time things right. And, and as I said, I have, do have permission to tell the story. But, but I got to the fish and chip store, and it, again, the population of the North Island had also decided to have fish and chips in the same place. And, and a 10-minute wait turned into about 45 minutes and man, I just waited and waited. And I was holding my daughter in my arms when she starts to look at me with this really odd expression. And, and I felt this warm, uh, wet sensation moving down my upper body. And I realized, oh, she doesn't have a nap. Oh my God, what's right now? And so I rushed out of this fish and chip store and uh, bad time to come walking down the middle of the aisle, honey. It's really bad timing. May not be about you, but anyway. And, and so I run out of the shop. I don't know what to do. There are cars everywhere. The first thing I can think of is I plonk her down on the grass verge where we're next to the footpath, and she kind of finishes things off, sort of squatting there. And, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm just reminding myself, come oh, on, no one knows me. I don't, I don't live here. We'll be gone soon. It's going to be okay. Just quickly, could you do, do your business? And she looks up at me and she says, Pooh's daddy? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. and she begins to go, number twos on the side of the road in front of all of these cars. Well, I am so embarrassed. I can't remember too much of what happened. I'm sure I picked it up because I'm that kind of person, at least with my dog anyway. And so, well, I pick her up to put her in the car. Fish and chips is gone. I don't know. We're not having it. And, and she's still going. 
she's still going. And it was, you know, it was bad. It was really super uh, embarrassing. As I said, I don't remember if we ever had fish and chips that night. I do recall later on, our two kids just screamed in this caravan all night. It was horrible. Uh, Then we found out the next morning, I think, that Caroline's grandfather had passed away. We packed up the car. We drove home. On the way home, a courier van slammed into the back of our vehicle. It was just one of those days where you wished you should have stayed at home. We should have just stayed in bed, just, you know, just stay home. And, and, you know, it's a humorous example, but, you know, for many of us, we've had far worse days than that. Uh, Days where we probably couldn't laugh at a lot and, and maybe even seasons where you feel like not just staying home, but maybe giving up. And go, man, I don't know how long I can, I can keep this up for. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through this. When, when is this going to end? And I just want to remind you this morning that even on your worst day, even on your worst day, God is able. And he's able to meet you on your worst day. He's able to move through you. He's able to minister to you on your worst day. God can do his best work. And You know, it's just like God to meet us in our place of despair, in our time of trouble, in our time of challenge. I mean, just doing a really quick survey of the Bible reveals that people and their problems are kind of God's speciality. Uh, You know, Daniel was met in the lion's den. How many know that was probably a bad day for him? Uh, uh, Joseph was met in prison. That's at his worst. Gideon was found in a hole making bread. Listen, your place of despair is often a great positional place for God to meet you right where, right where you are at. And I just want to look this morning at one particular account recorded in the Bible in Acts 16, if you are there, uh, about a couple of guys who were having such a shocker of a day. And from it, what what we can learn because it's what they give back, which we're about to read in just a moment, uh, in response to what has been dealt to them, that is probably, possibly the greatest tool that we can ever have in our little arsenal of tools, if you will, about what we can do when we're facing adverse circumstances. So whatever trial you're going through right now, Whatever thing, whatever thing you may be facing or going to face, whatever life throws at you, this story, I believe, holds a very important key about what you and I ought to do. It's in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 16, uh, Acts 16, 16. As I said, not on the screen. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says this. This is written by Luke, who is kind of writing down what he observes. The book of Acts is an account of the actions of the apostles. And he says this. Now it happened as we went to prayer, they were on their way to a prayer meeting, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us and who bought her masters much profit from her fortune telling. They were making money off this girl. And this girl followed Paul and us, Luke says, and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Interesting that this demon-possessed woman was actually speaking the truth, letting them know what actually was going on. And this she did for many days. And it says that Paul became really ticked off with her constant speaking and following them around. It says, Paul, greatly annoyed, this is the Apostle Paul, turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, but to the, the spirit which was possessing her, I command you 
in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, that spirit, that very hour. Verse 19 says, But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, because she, she was no longer able to operate, uh, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Verse 20 says, And they brought them into the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Essentially, they were just making up a story uh, to get them in trouble. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them uh, securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, that's probably the worst part, and fastened their feet in the stocks. So just pause there for, for just a moment. I, I don't know if you can put yourself in that place or imagine what ha has just gone on for these guys. You're on your way to a prayer meeting. You have a place to go to. You have a plan. And, uh, and there is this, yes, this impromptu deliverance session with, from this girl, but, but you end up being kidnapped on your way to prayer. You are falsely accused. You're stripped of your clothes. You're beaten with rods by a, a mob of angry men, and you're thrown in jail. So, bad day, right? I don't know if you've had that much trouble coming to church this morning. Sometimes it's equivalent of my children getting ready and getting them in the car. No, it's not. But, you know, I mean, I guess we wouldn't know. You wouldn't be here if you had that bad a day. But, but, but talk about having a bad day and things not going the way you had planned. And, and you can be forgiven at this point for uh, thinking that, man, after all of that, an appropriate, appropriate response may be just to curl up in a ball and cry. <laughs> this is what I'd probably do. And it turns out, as we keep reading this, that these guys, Paul and Silas, must have invented that phrase, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It says this at, in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, were listening to the praise. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. What an amazing story there. They see, there was something, I believe, about their response that brought their breakthrough in their yeah. darkest moment. In their midnight hour where they were at their worst, God came and did His best for them. And in here is a very simple but very profound principle. And it's this. Listen, guys, if we want to see God at His best when we are at our worst, the best thing that we can do in a crisis or in a season of trial is give God praise. It's as simple as that. We could kind of pack up and go home. There's nothing too difficult about this. But listen, when you're standing in the thick of it, when you're walking through difficulty and there seems like there is no way forward, when it, when it feels like things are coming at you from every, every side and in your hand there is nothing that seems favorable, listen, your greatest tool against adversity and against your adversary is the ability to keep your heart fastened toward Him. It's so, so important. There will always be an opportunity for us to kind of shake our fists at the world. 
maybe even shake our fists at God, it, 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 to abandon hope or to become bitter from our circumstances. It's life, right? Life does stuff to us. Things, things happen. It's not that we should all just be happy people, right? Like things happen to us. But as Paul and Silas faced this night of despair, it says around the midnight hour, they must have made a choice. They must have made a decision to begin to praise, to begin to worship, to begin to speak out and declare some things about God. And in this prison cell, a place where its corridors were only used to hearing the sounds of terror and wailing and weeping and screaming, now was hearing the sounds of worship and the sound of praise and the sound of singing of hymns. And, and the Bible says that the other prisoners began to listen as Paul and Silas worshipped their God because, listen, praise catches the attention of others. It was a different sound to what they'd heard before. It was a contrary sound to what was expected. But nevertheless, they, it says they began to praise. Let's keep reading. Verse 27 says, And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had all fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We're all here. No one had actually escaped. They were still in the prison. Bars were open, but they were all there. Verse 29 says, then he called for a light, ran in, this is the prison guard, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I've got a few points this morning. My first is, is this. No, my first is going to come up on the screen. Thanks, Dave. When we are at our worst, praise releases his best. When we are having the hardest time, the, the, the most difficult time, praise will release God's best over, over your life. Praise releases the breakthrough of God. And in this account that we've just read, it was such a discharge of the power of God that even the guard falls to his knees and demands, what must I do to be saved? The Bible actually goes on. We don't have time to read the story, but it says that the, the prison guard, he ends up washing Paul and Silas's wounds. Let me take care of that for you. He even takes them home with him into his own house. He makes them a meal. And the same night, his entire family are saved and baptized. I mean, what an incredible turnaround of events. One minute, you're locked in chains. You're beaten. You're wounded. You're facing an uncertain future. You certainly didn't show up to the prayer meeting that night. And the next morning, you're sitting in the lounge of the jailer, eating a hot meal and celebrating with his family. Amazing. Incredible. And the turnaround was this praise. You see, when your determination to praise God, listen, is greater than the temptation to give up. When, when your resolve to worship Him is stronger than the thought of quitting, that is when you'll see Him, His best, at your worst. You see, Paul and Silas knew the secret of how to lift their heads above their problems and enter into God's presence and providence. 
The Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There's something about this. Praise is the door of breakthrough for our life. Praise is the invitation for God to come and dwell in our lives. It's the vehicle which brings his presence right into our situation, right into our difficulty, right into our worst days. God inhabits the praises of his people. When we praise him, we provide a channel, a vehicle, for God to operate in. We invoke his presence. Jesus said himself, we're two or three, come together in my name. I am there in the midst of you. In other words, God dwells, Jesus comes in the atmosphere of our praise. And I don't know what, I don't know about you, but in my worst day, I want God near. I want God around me. I want him surrounding me. The key for us to see God at his best when we're at, at our worst is praise. It says, it says this, uh, to, to praise, that word praise is the Hebrew word halal. And, and it means basically to make boast of something, to rave about something, to, to commend something. For Christ followers, for, for you and I today, praise, it's our expression of worship. It's, it's our lifting up, it's, the, it's our glorifying, it's the humbling of ourselves and the centering of our attention on God. And it's not just about the words that we speak, it's not even about our attitude, which is so, so important, but praise, friends, has the ability to transport us into the realm of the supernatural, into the power of God that we can take hold of, as Paul and Silas did, to see his breakthrough power right where we are, right in that place of despair, right in that pit, or right in that place of difficulty. And we have this opportunity in times like today, on a Sunday, to start our week, to direct our attention to God, and that's amazing and awesome, and we should do that, but, but that's, that's sometimes, for too many of us, is where it ends. Right, we come and kind of do this thing together and then we head out into our weeks and, and kind of the praise sort of ceases and stops. And it just, it's, it's, got to, it's got to be more than just a Sunday thing, right? Because and my other point here is, is praise. Praise is a lifestyle. Praise is, is a lifestyle. It's not a song style. It's, it's a lifestyle. What we do in here is just one expression, one small expression. And I pray when we're here together, you, you, you feel empowered and encouraged to head into your week. You know, church, this is just our gathering, but church is beyond this time. In fact, I believe that church, which is just the, the called out ones coming together, starts when we leave. Right? It's, we are the church. It's not a meeting. We're the church. Church starts when you leave. In, in about 25 minutes, whenever it is, you end up going. So, but praise is a lifestyle. Psalm 150 says this on the screens. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Different types of cymbals there. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, he's kind of covering all bases here. He's saying, verse 1, you can praise Him in here. 
Praise Him in the sanctuary. Saints, you can praise Him out there in the heavens when you go from this place. You can praise Him, verse 2, for what He's done, His acts of power. You can praise Him for who He is, His surpassing greatness. You can praise Him with music. You can praise Him with dancing. You can, you know, and He finishes it off. Just by saying, listen, if that's not covering anything, and just to make sure no one misses out, verse 6, it says, if you have breath, check your pulse this morning. If you are breathing, if you are alive, you can praise Him as a lifestyle, not just in this little moment. Come on, we can praise Him. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Now listen, I'm not saying that when we go through these things that they're not hard, that they're not difficult. We recognize that this is life, but it's our attitude and our positioning and our, 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 our focus, which is so, so important. Paul, Paul and Silas, I'm sure, weren't sitting in that dungeon cell thinking, this is great. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, this is what a, what a great day we've had. Hey, buddy, why, why, don't we, why don't we pull out the guitar and sing a few tunes? I don't think it was, it was like that. I, I believe that, that it was a sacrifice of praise. And because praise was their lifestyle, it was their position. Praise is what they did. It was a response despite the circumstance. It was their expression of faith. It was their declaration of victory. Praise was declaring in that prison cell that they believed God was with them. And in fact, he may also be in control of the outcome. Paul would later write, I'm not suggesting it was directly connected to this, but Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I'm sure that was going through. Man, this is hard, man. This is difficult. But you know what? I believe this is going to work out. But we're going to praise God. They didn't just praise Him because they felt like it. They praised Him because their lives depended on it. To get God's outcome. And how he came through for them was because they knew how to praise. Don't just be a Sunday worshiper. Make worship your life. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that the fruit of our lips confesses his name. And I, man, there's been times when I just felt nothing. I don't want to worship God. I don't want to praise Him. But I just know, man, I'm going to make it a sacrifice because I know how important it is to keep my heart, my eyes, the eyes of my heart focused on Him. Last one this morning, number three, is that praise defeats the enemy. Praise defeats the enemy. And maybe the band could come. You know, when Paul and Silas began to praise that night at that midnight hour, God broke through as a response. It says that the guard who was given the task to watch over them, to make sure that they were kept imprisoned, to make sure they were kept restricted and in shackled and in chains, to make sure that they stayed suffering. It says when he saw the result of their praise, which is essentially when he saw God at his best, despite them being at their worst, he was so disempowered that he was prepared to end his life. 
And friends, I want to tell you, when, when, when we cultivate a lifestyle of praise, when we fasten our eyes on God and invoke His presence through praise, we will send the enemy over our lives into retreat. And chains will begin to loosen off our, our situation. If praise manifests God's presence, which I believe it does, then praise will always repel the presence of the enemy. Meddling. And messing with our lives. And I just want to pray right now and declare that. God, I thank you for the power of praise. I thank you for your presence right now over our lives. I thank you for this principle and this point that praise sends the enemy running. It defeats the enemy. It loosens his hold of our life and our circumstance. And I pray and declare right now over every struggle and trial. Father, I thank you that you're with us. And God, you don't tell us that we will be absent from difficulty and challenge, but we can lean on you and we can call forth for your power. And I declare wherever there is middling of the enemy, wherever our adversity is, is, is doing his best, I pray that you would do yours. And I pray, God, those chains would be loosed in Jesus' name and that we would see your power in Jesus' name, come through in Jesus' name. When we cultivate a lifestyle of praise, if our lives and over our lives is an atmosphere of praise, then anything contrary to the Spirit of God will loosen, will come off our lives. Psalm 50, 23 says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct all right, I will show the salvation of God. And I pray the salvation of God over those situations. Rescued and delivered in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's not just that praise takes our eyes off those things that concern us. It's not just that praise elevates our problems, but it scatters the enemy. And it's one of the greatest tools that we have to experience God's best. But we have to cultivate a lifestyle and arm ourselves with a weapon called praise. And when life gives you anything but what is fear, when life throws at you whatever it does, if it's not justified or it's not deserved, when you're in the thick of it, we got to do what Paul and Silas did and start praising God. Make it a sacrifice if you have to. Here's what I'd love to do this morning just to finish off our time. We're almost out of time. I reckon we should just finish with some praise. Why don't, why don't we stand up? I've got the band here, which I'm in, so I'm going to jump on that as well. And I, I just can think of no better way to respond to a message like this than to do exactly what I've been describing this morning. So let's just take a couple of minutes before we go today. Let's, we'll kind of wrap up the service now, but we're just going to finish with a, with a song of praise to center our attention on God. And Listen, of all of the things that may or may not be going on in your life, and I just sense that there are some things going on, choose, choose to praise. Choose to praise over those other things. Those problems, uh, choose to praise God over the fret, over the worry, over the anxiety, over the difficulty, over the challenge. This is how we will fight our battles. This is our weapon of choice. This is what God has given us to fight back, to position ourselves in such a way. This is how we fight our battles.